Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Lizelle Wellbeing Show. Oh my goodness, buckle up, because in this week's episode, we are going to be talking to Sarah Worley, the pioneering founder of The Key Clinic, a practice that brings together a wealth of drug-free, cutting-edge treatments all under one roof to help improve the quality of life of those with a wide range of concerns. Now, Sarah holds two degrees in experimental psychology from the University of Oxford, but it was only after the birth of her four children that she noticed the sharp increase in childhood learning and behavioural difficulties. She also saw a gap in support here, finding that there was very little help or practical advice available to parents to overcome these concerns. This led her back to further study, where she qualified as a neurophysiological psychologist and an auditory integration therapist to tackle the root causes of many of these behavioural problems such as depression, anxiety, ADHD, autism and more. She later founded the clinic, which brings evidence-based solutions to children and adults struggling with their learning. And some of the testimonies are absolutely astounding. Using revolutionary therapies for the brain, Sarah and her team have been unlocking children's potential in a way that is unique to them. And I really cannot wait for you to hear what she has to say. And don't forget that if you would like to watch our chat today, the podcast video is available on the Lazar Wellbeing YouTube channel. And as always, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on Instagram after the show. So let's get straight into hearing it from Sarah. So welcome, Sarah. I absolutely am beyond thrilled to have you here. And I can't tell you how excited I am to have some of your time and just the opportunity to explore some of these really fascinating, completely groundbreaking and unbelievably helpful techniques for so many young and old. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Well, I, I said in my intro that you started, obviously, you did degrees at Oxford, you were studying uh, psychology. Where did your journey very briefly take you after university? 
Gosh, well, I, I did a whole range of different things after university. I was living in New York for many years. I kind of lived in lots of countries around the world. Um, I've done quite a lot of post-grad training because, you know, I've always been fascinated in biology and psychology. Um, so I studied something called neurophysiological psychology. Um, I studied, you know, brain biochemistry at somewhere called the Walsh Institute in the States. I've studied auditory integration training. I studied things like low-level laser therapy in, in Toronto. I, I'm eternally studying and training um, mm. in areas that are a sort of cutting-edge, evidence-based that can make a difference to people's lives. I'm, I'm just eternally researching. Well, you are certainly making a big difference to a lot of people's lives. And I first came across your work with an organisation that you set up called The Key Clinic in London, which so impressed me because you are looking at all these different factors that can influence spectrum disorders, cognitive function, behaviour. And what I love about your approach, and I guess hearing you talk about your background explains it, is there are so many different facets to it. And it was actually quite hard when thinking about this podcast to think, you know, which area should we talk about? Because there are so many. And at the Key Clinic, you bring it all together which is just so very interesting. But should we talk a little bit first about spectrum disorders? I know that a lot of children who come to you, for example, are diagnosed with being on the spectrum. So it'd be quite interesting to talk about kind of what that means and how that looks like from your perspective, things like ADD, ADHD, OCD, hyperactivity. I mean, what? who are the sort of people that, that come through your doors? Yes. Well, we have a whole wide raft and it's children and it's adults because we often treat the children and then we treat adults as well. But I mean, it can be anything from dyslexia, dyspraxia, dyscalculia, as you said, ADD, ADHD, um, sort of Asperger's, I'd say higher functioning autistic spectrum, children with depression, night terrors, anxiety. Um, so it's a whole wide raft and, and also individuals who perhaps don't have a label. Um, often, you know, we'll treat children who are just sort of underperforming relative to how smart they are. And, you know, their parents and teachers just don't understand how they can't translate that through onto paper. So it's a very wide range that we're treating. I was going to ask you where you start when somebody walks through the door. Do you start with looking at... Um, brain chemistry in terms of nutrients. And I was talking to Dr. Bock on this podcast just recently, actually over in New York, talking about the inflamed brain and looking at nutrients and how that can help and how treating the brain differently from just neurotypical medication. Do you start with that or do you start with um, physical things? Because one of the things that I want to also talk about here are the retained childhood reflexes and to look at some of the things like the Moro reflex, which seems to impact so many children. What, what's, what's your starting point, really? So right, you're so right. Well, our starting point is when someone contacts the clinic, we book up what we call an initial screening consultation. It takes about an hour, and this is generally just for the parent or the adult if they themselves are being treated. And it's, it's a questionnaire which gives us a full developmental history and it's been researched to be able to predict with about a 90% degree of accuracy where those difficulties are likely to be coming from. So we will go through that, first of all, almost as a triage to then deciding 
where it is we begin. Um, because the next step is going to be carrying out very specific assessments. And we do a lot of assessing at the clinic. We, you know, we don't want yeah. to recommend anything unless we know it's going to be a game changer. And, you know, and this is why we have all these different things under one roof, because it just struck me that there are many, you know, if you've got difficulties, if you or your family have difficulties and problems, there's no clear roadmap of where to go and what mm. to do. And there are lots of individual specialists, all, you know, good at what they do, but they only do that one thing. And, you know, there's a saying, if all you've got is a hammer, every problem's a nail. And this is why we wanted to have everything <laughs> under one roof. So, but, you know, so that we can be objective. We can look and say, well, actually, I know you may have heard of us for the retained reflex work, but for you, it's completely irrelevant. You actually need to start with this if you want to see some change. Yeah. So I would say in, in broad terms, if you've got someone who is very hyperactive, if they've got a diagnosis of ADHD, a true ADHD, um, or mm. uh, autistic spectrum, if they're extremely depressed, those sorts of individuals, I would start with the biomedical side of it. I'd start by looking at the biochemistry. Yeah. Um, and we can talk more about that, but looking at exactly where the imbalances are and, and what, the, what problems those could be causing. And we sort of work from there upwards. So, um, you know, if then there is a need for neurodevelopmental work, if there's a need for auditory work, if there's a need for some sort of coaching later on, you know, then we can deal with it. But I think there is a particular mm. order in which to treat certain yeah. things to get the best effect. Yeah. So when you're looking at a, a bio-nutrient uh, regime to start with or, or a screening, and I have seen these these forms and it's unbelievably complex and detailed that the number of blood tests and urine tests that you can that you can analyze I mean it is forensic and you send blood and urine samples you know to, to clinics in Germany and, and they go off to you know specialist screening places in some cases or in some cases in the UK and what sort of things are you looking for what sort of things are you looking for perhaps that it, that might be too high or too low and, and certain deficiencies yeah. Yes. Well, I think if we rewind a little bit and talk about what, what the work is based on, and really it's come out of the Walsh Institute in the US, which is a non-for-profit organisation that's been around for the past 40 years or so. And there's uh, someone called Dr. William Walsh, who's now 88 years old, who's been doing really groundbreaking work there. Um, and he worked with the late, great Dr. Carl Pfeiffer, who, who is very well known for his, his work in the same field. In fact, he was up for the Nobel Prize for this work. What they yeah. did was analyse the biochemical imbalances and differences that seem to underpin most forms of mental health problem um, or behavioural problem. And, you know, Dr. Walsh started off looking at violent young offenders in prison and saying, well, what's different about their biochemistry? How have they ended up here? And what's really fascinating is out of the hundreds, of, in fact, thousands of chemical reactions taking place in the brain, what they found is that there seem to be six main areas that seem to be causal factors for the majority of mental health and behavioural problems. It actually boils down from all this great complexity to six main imbalances mm. which we tend to see. So those blood tests that we're doing, um, or urine tests, are specifically looking at those things. Um, and it's you know it's sort of a very advanced approach to it, I think, because if you look at the existing psychiatric medical model, it's very much prescribe and see. You know, we don't know, you're depressed, let's give you 
um, you know, an SSRI, serotonin reuptake inhibitor, because we're going to assume you don't have enough serotonin in your brain. And we're going to assume right. that that's the cause of your depression. Um, now, William Walsh, for example, would say, well, yeah, that's true for 38% of the population. Um, there's 38% of the depressed population that happen to not have enough serotonin. They're what's called undermethylated. But there are five distinct types of depression. And in fact, there's another 20% who are what's called overmethylated. In other words, they've got too much of this stuff. They've got too much serotonin. They've got too much dopamine. Now, if you give that individual an SSRI, they become worse. They become significantly worse. And they may even become suicidally depressed. Um, and an interesting fact is 18 out of the past 20 school shootings in America, those kids had just been put on SSRIs, again, without any oh. form of testing. 18 out of 20. No. Um, 18 out of 20. Why isn't that not headline news? Because we don't test it. Was. And, and Dr. Walsh has been lobbying the US government saying, I'm not against drugs, but for goodness sake, test. Don't just dip your toe in the water and prescribe. And that is yeah. the current psychiatric model. We try it and we see how it goes. We don't test. I, I am truly shocked by that. It, it is very, I mean, the, the, the wider impact for society of having people who are going to go and have such an extreme reaction to give them these drugs without testing and have them. And we know that the rates yes. of depression and yes. suicidal tendencies and all of these have increased manifold you know over the last 18 months because of the the, the current global situation that it that is truly terrifying I want to come back and pick you up you say that there are six nutrient pathways if you like that that come up time and time again what are they well we've got I've mentioned under methylation over methylation so that's as I said to do with the serotonin levels with the dopamine levels um zinc copper imbalances account for a lot. Something called hypercupremia mm. means having too much copper in your system. That's the cause of postnatal depression. Um, and again, if, you, really? if you're feeling terrible after you give birth, you'll go and see a doctor, you'll get given an SSRI, and it probably won't have much effect. And that's because when we're pregnant, the level of copper in our bodies goes up 200%. Now, most people after they give birth, can excrete that from their system. You know, over the next sort of three, two, three weeks, they're able to get rid of it. But if you happen to be born with a genetic SNP, a little mutation, that means that your body is not as capable of doing that, then you end up with this huge amount of copper staying in the system. And that causes um, extreme anxiety, overproduction of norepinephrine, underproduction of dopamine. And it's just the extreme form. It causes psychosis. So the answer, the treatment, and Walsh has 98% effectiveness in this treatment, is a slow and gradual increase in zinc. And if you do that, your body flushes out the copper. It needs zinc to be able to do it. But you have to be careful. It has to be controlled. You don't go too fast or you end up with what they call a a sort of copper dump in the system. But anyway, I'm sorry, I'm talking about that too much. But copper... Zinc no, no, it's absolutely fascinating. I have never heard that. I've never heard it said so black and white that postnatal depression is caused by high copper. I mean, that, that, I mean that's a very bold statement to make, Sarah. There are large quantitative studies that prove it. Um, I was trying to persuade Oxford University to take this up and run a study on it because they really should, um, because they're very confident in, in the results on it. 
Um, and again, you know, there's a, a knee-jerk reaction to, to reach for one thing. Um, pyrrole disorder can be another imbalance that we commonly see. Can we talk about that? So, so what is pyrrole disorder? And I know that talking about the Walsh studies and looking at the uh, rates of violent young offenders in institutions, am I right in saying that 80% of a sample who were tested were found to have pyrrole disorder? Um, Almost, no. It, it, it was within the ADHD population, 90%, 90, well, 90% happened to have this zinc-copper imbalance that I mentioned. Now, when we understand what that imbalance does, it causes too much norepinephrine and adrenaline and not enough dopamine. So if you think of stimulant meds, that's exactly the two things they're trying to address, okay? But the whole point about the work with Walsh is that you can treat it using very targeted doses of nutrients, vitamins, minerals, amino acids, that will have the same impact. It'll you know, increase the dopamine, reduce the norepinephrine without the side effects and the drugs. Um, but anyway, 30% of the ADHD population happen to have this thing called pyrrole disorder. And it's a genetic ah, inherited problem. But it, you're right in that it does tend to be the ones that are really violent. Um, well, can be violent, can be jackal and high, tend to have huge swings, huge anxiety. There are a load of symptoms that go with it. Um, you know, you tend to be very pale for your ethnicity, circles under the eyes. You know, these individuals tend to be night owls. They stay up really late, no appetite for breakfast in the morning. There might be um, food cravings for strange things, salty things and spicy things, um, hypersensitive to lights. Uh, so there are, there are a whole load of traits that happen to go with pyrrole disorder. And what it fundamentally is, um, we test it by the level of pyrroles in the urine. And if it's above a certain level, then you have pyrrole disorder. And these pyrroles, we all have some pyrroles in the urine, but when you have too much, these are proteins that strip the body of zinc and vitamin B6. So if you've got pyrrole disorder and you happen to be born with that, um, then it means you're not going to be able to absorb those things. And so these individuals also have very high levels of oxidative stress in their system. Um, and you, you find that all the um, calming neurotransmitters, the GABA, the serotonin are reduced, and the excitatory ones are increased. So they tend to be histrionic, volatile individuals. Mm -hmm. um, and it is high. I do know a few of those. You know, so we all know some of them. I'd, I'd, I'd love to get them all tested for, for pyrrole disorder because, you know, from what you're saying, is that yeah. something as really simple as, as a genetic SNP, a, a genetic variance that they've been born with that's manifesting in this behavior can just be calmed yeah. with potentially uh, a judicious use of vitamin B6 and zinc. Absolutely. And high levels of antioxidants. And what you need to do is sort of right. mega dose at the beginning to get things to a normal level. And then you can reduce to a maintenance dose. But these are individuals who are always going to need a maintenance dose. Um, because they, you know, they have the best diet in the world, they could be popping a multivitamin every day, but it's still not going to be enough for them to, to normalize that brain biochemistry. Um, so, so, you know, again, it's beyond people's control. You know, these are how many children in the class are told they're naughty, they're disobedient, oppositional defiance, yes. they fall into this category generally. Um, but it's not their, it's not their fault. They can't control it. It's just something they're born with and it runs in families. If you've got it, 50% chance your child has. If both parents have it, 75% chance their child has it. And it's worse. It gets, with ADHD generally, it gets worse if that child gets sick 
or they're going through a growth spurt, uh, because those are the times when their zinc gets used up even further. Okay, so often we give the, these supplements, these shoot up in height first, and then the behavior starts to balance. So yeah, if they're going through a stressful time, they need more. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. They need more zinc. That is really fascinating. I, I have to say, you know, as a mother of five and, and going through very different characteristic traits with all of mine yeah. and, and, and seeing behavior changes and also this genetic connection and... I would imagine that some parents might come to you with a child, maybe who's on the spectrum, who's being diagnosed with ADD or ADHD or autism, and then things start to become clearer in terms of the parent's history. Yeah. And they might think, well, actually, gosh, if this is a genetic characteristic, is this something that, you know, I have also been, you know, suffering from or, or, or living with? Is is it ever too late? You know, can we start to correct these nutritional imbalances in in much later life if we become aware of them? Absolutely, we can. It's never too late to correct them, um, and and that's exactly what happens. And that's why, really, we're not just a children's clinic. We you know we treat the adults as well. In fact, you know we're in the process of developing loads of programs specifically for adults. Um, no, on two levels, it's not too late. You can always correct the chemistry. Um, and also with the other side of the work we do at the clinic, you know, the brain is actually very plastic, what they call plastic, which means it can be rewired if given the right stimulation. It's plastic from cradle to grave. So we always think, oh, it's only children with 
flexible brains. You know, no, what happens is we just become complacent later on and we think, well, I know how to do everything in life as good as possible. I didn't need to learn that other language. I didn't. But that's precisely when we should be doing those things. That is really fascinating. And that is absolutely what I would love to talk about. Um, you have made me and, and your team and, and doing research into your work have made me so much more aware of these really fascinating things, if you like, uh, called retained childhood reflexes. And I've learned a whole new language of, I don't know, Morrow and TLR and, and all, all, all sorts of things. Can we can we go back and, and, and look at, you know, what what are we talking about here? What are these reflexes? What happens when we're born? We're supposed to lose certain reflexes. Some of us don't. And then that has an impact in, in later life. I'd love to explore that. Yeah. So retained reflexes, when people talk about that, they're talking about these reflexes that we see within the first year of a baby's life. And when a baby's born, the brain's only about 20% developed. And what happens in that first year is a period of incredibly rapid brain growth. And a large part of the way in which that happens is through this series of little, little retained, sorry, little reflexes. They're called primitive reflexes. And it's the same for all of us. One of them comes up, gets stimulated, then it inhibits. Then the next one comes up and gets stimulated and it inhibits. And you can see particular periods in that baby's development when there are these reflexes present. Now, they should have completed their job by the time a baby reaches their first birthday. But nine times out of 10, when we look at people who have um, learning, behavioral difficulties such as dyslexia, etc., we find they have still got these retained reflexes. And what happens when they hang around past their sell-by date? They sort of mess everything up. They interfere with your balance, with your coordination. They interfere directly with eye tracking, so you can't track horizontally across a page or eyes can't converge together um, they interfere with your emotional responses to things they can make you prone to anxiety they can make you fidgety they can make it more likely your child continues to wet the bed they, they're like gremlins they can create all sorts of problems um, when they're hanging around past when they should have been there so a large part of the work that we do is it's almost to turn the clock back and say okay so it didn't quite develop in the way it was meant to first time around let's go back and re-stimulate let's give the body a second chance to develop and we do that through these very targeted neurodevelopmental exercises so they're, they're little movements baby-like movements that people have to do every day over a, a period of time until that reflex has had enough stimulation that it throws in the towel and it's gone and, and then we move to the and next one yeah, until they're fully mature. That, 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 that's so fascinating. So, so the one that I have become aware of, which is, is possibly the one that's most talked about, is the morrow reflex. And that seems to be the, the fight or flight, the startle. You know, when you startle a baby and, and the baby just oh, jumps like this. And then, so are you saying that that's a reflex that we're born with? It's, it's, I guess it's a, a form me mechanism of self-defense to put us into fight or flight mode really quickly. And are you saying that we're supposed to lose that? But for some people, particularly those who may have spectrum issues, they haven't lost it. But if you recognise it, you can then, you know, kind of retrain the body to, to lose it so they become calmer. Is, is, is that the idea? Absolutely right. Absolutely right. It's an early infant survival reflex, the morrow, and I'm sure any parents listening will remember it. It's any change to the baby's environment. And they fling out their arms and legs and they have this big inhalation of breath and then they hold their breath and you think, oh, my God, are they ever going to breathe again? And then the second part, they 
cling on, cling on like this. And it's a survival reflex because if you think evolutionarily, that newborn, if they're put down in any environment and any sudden change to that environment, there's an alarm cry to the parent. There's a big load of oxygen and adrenaline coursing through their system and then they're clinging on. So it's a survival reflex. It's the reason a baby takes their first breath. And if they're not breathing, the first thing a doctor will do is stimulate that reflex to get, get them to breathe. Now, should have gone by about three, four months of age. And then we evolved really? something called the adult startle response, which, which is quite different. Um, but it hasn't gone for many, many individuals who are prone to chronic anxiety. If I tell you the symptoms of non-integration, so terrible anxiety, chronic anxiety, often um, hypersensitive to all sorts of things. It can be to lights, to sound, to touch, to textures. These are the fussy eaters. Um, you, you can even measure it by shining a light in the eye and the pupil won't constrict as quickly to light. It's like being a deer in the headlights. Um, it, it makes you very controlling. Generally, these are individuals who dislike change, who can't handle it, who need routine, who need to know what's coming up. Um, so, you know, it makes you prone to mood swings, physical timidity, a lack of self-confidence. And longer term, it's linked to hyperglycemia. It's linked to the development of phobias. We've treated many adults with phobias, particularly spatial phobias, um, you know, driving phobia, agoraphobia, fear of heights, etc. And they've had a retained moro reflex um, and another called a TLR. And, and the thing is, it's one of those things that because it's coming, all of these reflexes come from the brainstem, the lower brain. So you can't exert conscious control over it. So no amount of, for example, talking in therapy about your terrible anxiety right. is going to work if it's coming. It's not going to help. Reflex. If it's coming from a reflex, it's hardwired in. And the only way you get rid sure. of it is movements. So what sort of movements would you be doing and how long would you have to do them for to get rid of something like the Moro reflex? Yeah. So the movement that we do is we call it the flower and it's a very slow, controlled, in effect, a Moro movement where you're starting off with the eyes shut, the hands flat, the head is down, and you're slowly opening up the arms and the legs and importantly, the chin has to come up and be beyond the level of the spine. We're doing various touch counts during that, and then we're slowly reversing the movement back down. And it has to be very, very slow and very controlled. And you'll find individuals with a morrow will hate this movement because they've spent their life trying to avoid the morrow being elicited. And you can tell at the beginning, they'll put the head off to the side or they'll scrunch their hands, which makes it not work because this is the palmer reflex and it inhibits the moro. Right, so you've got to have an open flat hand, have you? Yeah, the hands flat, exactly. And you repeat this, you know, maybe sort of three, four times. If you can do it twice a day, that's fantastic, even better. Um, and bit by bit by bit, it will let go. And I, I do have to sometimes warn parents that it can get worse before it gets better because we're stimulating it. We're giving it the stimulation it didn't have first time round. And... I remember warning one parent of this and, and she rang up and she said, well, you know, my little son, he's getting even more tearful. He's getting even more clingy. He, he doesn't want to go into school. And I'm going, that's great. That's terrific. It's working. Keep with it. Really, it's working. <laughs> you know, it's I'm glad to hear it. And then finally it went. And she, I mean, he was truly transformed as a result. In fact, he's a boy that lost a diagnosis of Asperger's. I mean, we didn't just do that. We did other work with it. But he completely lost his diagnosis. And he was about to be amazing and, you know um, was being bullied and things so but the moro can have a massive impact on on function amazing 
And it takes longer for adults to get Does it? Yeah. Well, of course, because you've, you've lived with it, you know, for maybe, you know, 40, 50 years. Yeah, exactly. um, and I, you, it's interesting there that you talk about heightened senses. And yeah. this is something that I've had personal experience from, from people close to me who have hypersensitive hearing. Um, and I know that through the auditory work that you do, and this is something, again, that I learned, is that our ears, we have muscles in our ears that we can retrain. So um, I, I, I know somebody who was hearing a lot through their right ear and very little through their left ear, which you and your practitioners in your clinic identified. And through literally just having a few weeks of listening to sounds on headphones, very specialist sounds, you were able to rebalance the workings, the inner workings, the muscles of the ears. And so now that individual hears equally through both ears and is much calmer and much more settled as a result. I mean, is, is that a fairly common part of your work, one of the strands of, of, of the therapies that you're using? Absolutely, absolutely. The auditory work's really important and it's very often ignored or not looked at, um, but mm. often difficulties and anomalies really in the way in which someone's hearing sound can have a, of course, has a direct impact on the brain. It's one of the, one of the stimuli that comes into the brain. And we know, for example, with dyslexia, that there is always a, a sort of auditory processing issue that tends to go with it. Um, but very often I'll get people coming to the clinic that say, well, I've had a hearing test. My hearing's all completely normal. I don't have a problem there. And what they mean by that is they've had a hearing test and no hearing loss has been identified, which, of course, is really right. important. But nobody has assessed how they're hearing. So as you quite rightly mentioned, you could have an individual who's been told, well, you've got a normal hearing test, but they've got through the roof hypersensitive hearing. And I've had, uh, had quite a lot of individuals hearing, you know, minus 10 decibels is the quietest thing you can test on an audiometer and they're hearing everything up there. And they're very distractible. They can't block out background sounds sure. or, you know, because they're yeah. listening to what's happening three classrooms away and they can hear the overhead light bulb um you know so just taking that and bringing it down to a normal level can have a big big impact on functioning we find autistic spectrum for example uh, people on the spectrum tend to have this very hypersensitive hearing and it can make many social situations completely overwhelming um so you know maybe, maybe the withdrawal isn't because they don't like being with other people maybe it's just because it's too loud in there um so so that, they can't cope with the noise they can't cope with it so that's yeah. one very basic thing that we can do you mentioned dyslateral hearing and that's a really interesting one um it basically means that some individuals jump from one ear to the next to tune into different bits of language so we know for example vowels happen at one range and consonants at another and sibilants at another now if you're jumping from one ear to the other it has a direct impact on the order in which phonemes are received and processed by the brain. And this is simply a question of wiring. Sounds that go in your right ear go immediately to the left hemisphere, which is where they get processed, the left temporal lobe. If it goes in your left ear, it's got to go all the way over to the right side of your brain. Then it's going to make this great big journey over to the left side before it reaches the bit of the brain that's processing language. So that can have a weird effect on the order of sounds coming in. So if I say cat, you could hear act if you were tuning into the A with your right ear and the C had to make this great big journey, the lower sound was making this great journey. Right, so this is an individual who then is told, well, they're dyslexic or they write things the wrong way around. You're hearing it the wrong way around. They've got terrible spelling. 
Well, I wonder why, if you're not hearing it the right way around, and you've got to associate that with a pattern of letters on a page. What on earth are you? So with all of these things, with the reflexes, with the auditory, if you have these sort of glitches, the higher brain has to get involved and unscramble the mess. So you're not necessarily conscious that's what you're doing, but you're using up all this vital grey matter. You're kind of wasting it on having to, uh, you know, deal with poor balance, deal with eyes that are jumping around on the page, deal with mixed up sounds coming in from the ears. And then you've got to answer the question you were asked. So, you know, what we're basically doing, getting the system to function as it should, making it all happen a lot more easily for individuals. And, you know, when they're not wasting their energy on these other on the need to perpetually compensate then they start becoming able to access their true level of intelligence and, and capability and you know it's not just their grades and everything that jumps and I you know I explained to friends well, I'm not making your child more intelligent than they were I'm just allowing them to access it for the first time um, but it also shores them up emotionally because what I've also found is the individuals who are jumping through all these internal hoops for whom you know the autopilot's not quite functioning they're already under a high level of internal stress just coping with the day-to-day and for those individuals all it takes then is something external to happen something difficult and they're the ones who are more susceptible to falling over into a sort of anxiety or depressive state so you know if you take away that internal stress you're also creating emotional resilience to cope with things your your work, I have to say, is so life changing for so many. You know, it's really actually quite emotional talking about it because, yes, it's really important to you know to 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 get people right. But when you're looking at smaller children who have all these external stresses or internal stresses that they simply can't cope with and can't control, they get misdiagnosed. They're not treated in the right way. And in those formative years, as any parent listening will know, this is the time when you're forming your friendship groups. You are perhaps, you know, at risk of exclusion. You then uh, suffer from self-esteem. You might fall into gang culture. You know, you might then be tempted to have an outburst of uncontrollable violent behavior that you can't control, which then may put you in a young offenders situation or, or, or give you a criminal record. I mean, the, the, the impact of these, what you what you're are saying, are very simple things that need to be explored. They need to be explained. And you know, I've seen people do your auditory therapy, for example, where you know you take all this noise away, and it is it's very simple. It's a few weeks of sitting with some headphones on, listening to twenty minutes of me of very specific music. And you know, when you do it, you think, well, this isn't going to help, is it? I mean, come on, this is, you know, you're just having a laugh, aren't you? Some sort of strange quack clinic, but, you know, no offence. But, you know, but at the end, you get amazing results. And it's it's just astonishing. And I, I, I just so wish that more people were aware of this, which is, I guess, the reason for my podcast today. Yeah, well, I think that's the thing. I think the single biggest barrier is, is a lack of awareness because when people do then look at it and they look at the research studies behind it, because we're all about evidence-based interventions. Yeah, um, and I think you know, this is information that, you know, drug companies don't necessarily want you to know this. They, you know, if you've got a child that's having difficulty concentrating, you're only ever really given a couple of options. You can prop them up eternally with extra tuition and, and extra learning support, or you can reach for medications. And 
people just aren't aware that there are viable yeah. alternative strategies that can be taken. And as I said, sometimes in the short term, people need to take the medications. But I just think it's not a long term panacea. I think there are smarter ways that we can go about things. Now, I just say with the ears, it sounds so strange to say just listening to music, but when you understand that the ears have muscles and they have reflexes, they actually have the equivalent of a zoom lens. You can retrain them to zoom into or away from a sound up to 30 decibels. So what we're doing is we're giving the ears a physical workout through the auditory therapy. We are getting them to jump and the reflexes to work in better synchronicity. And we're literally changing the hearing profile because we do audiograms before and afterwards. And you can see, you can physically see this hearing profile changed. Yeah. Before we go, Sarah, I do just want to touch on something that you said just now, which was about the use of medication. And I imagine that a a significant proportion of young and old clients who come through your clinic doors are on some form of medication. Um, What percentage come off medication or significantly reduce medication following some of your protocols? It sort of depends what the illness is that they've come there for. Um, or the difficulty, I would say it's somewhere between 80 to 90% for ADHD are able to come off their stimulant meds. No, Um, really? Yes, they're able to come off it because you're having exactly the same effect. With antidepressants, I would say it's it's at least the same, Um, depending on what it is. As I said, it's 98% for postnatal depression. Um, But if we're looking at undermethylation, overmethylation, you know, overmethylation just requires some folate, um, to, to be given to a reasonable degree. Under methylation, we're looking at SAMI, methionine, we're looking at things that have the same effect as an SSRI, but unlike an SSRI, you don't have to keep dialing up the dose because we're actually allowing the body to produce more serotonin if, if we're under methylated. We're not using up what the body, which is why SSRIs, you have to keep dialing it up because you use up all the serotonin that's there. Um, you know, uh, the work Dr. Carl Pfeiffer did with schizophrenics he was able to take schizophrenics who, who were quite extreme and had been institutionalized, he was able to take them down to 20% of their regular medication dose. Now, that was the difference between them having horrible side effects, putting on weight, becoming suicidal, and not. So, you know, it may be that for some individuals, you just have to dial it down. You're always going to need some medication. We'll keep it at a low level. But, you know, my feeling is, why not at least explore if you can get these things happening alongside in parallel with the medication and very often they then say well you know i'm not feeling that i need that anymore. let's take it down let's take it down with their obviously with their doctor's supervision or our doctor's supervision um until they're eventually able to come off it so i'd say for the vast majority it's, it's something that's very very effective and it works that is amazing. I think we should leave it there on such a positive note. Sarah, I'd love to talk to you again. Thank you so much. We will put all the details in our podcast notes, but essentially everything is at the key clinic. And I think, am I right in saying, you know, I have two clinics, one in London and one in, is it Berkshire? We do. We have one in West Berkshire and we have one uh, based in central London in Devonshire Place. We've also got a couple of satellite clinics, one down in West Sussex and one up in Liverpool. Um, so, And we can also deliver our therapies remotely. Um, you know, the biomedical yes. side, get test kits and things sent to people's homes. So that's fine. It sounds like there should be a key clinic in, in every every city, every town, every postnatal unit 
in the country. Sarah, thank you so much. It's lovely to talk to you. And I hope that we can just help amplify some of the extraordinary work that you and your team are doing. Thank you very much indeed. My pleasure, Liz. Thank you. Well, I hope you agree with me that that is all completely fascinating and a subject that is definitely worth revisiting in the future, which I certainly intend to do here. Because that is it for today's episode. Very big thanks to Sarah. And as always, you will find the links and the resources that we mentioned here over on lizardwellbeing.com. And there you can also sign up for the free weekly newsletter. It's filled with plenty of healthy recipes and good tips for living well. Very many thanks to all of you who have left such lovely reviews for this podcast. It always helps others to find the show and perhaps in turn to find the help that they need. So thank you for taking the time and also for clicking those five little star review rating buttons at the end of the podcast. That's also super helpful and very kind. So thank you. Until the next time we chat, go well. Bye-bye. Lizarle Wellbeing Show is presented by me, Lizarle, with production by Amaru Lizarle and Harry Trevithick at Heart Dialogue. With thanks to my producer, Ellie Smith, assistant researcher, Martha Comerford, and guest booker, Millie de la Morinière. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.